Welcome to the JVB Health and Wellness Podcast. On today's podcast, we discuss the tragedy that happened in China on May 22nd, 2021, during an ultramarathon race, where 21 ultramarathoners out of 172 participants died when extreme weather overcame the race during the hardest and least accessible part of the course. We'll talk about it in this podcast, and specifically, we'll talk to Emilio, who's an accomplished ultra-marathon runner who's done many of races like this and has had to deal with things that happen from bad weather and notably hypothermia. Before going any farther and before setting the stage and giving you a little background before we get into the discussion with Emilio, I want to recognize the 21 people that died. It's just incredibly sad and this episode is meant to honor and remember them. I'm an ultra-runner and I understand the mentality of doing something you truly love, whether you're doing it just because you love it, you're doing it for a sense of accomplishment, or if there's many other reasons that are personal to each runner. Often when somebody finishes their first marathon, people will go up to them and say, hey, what's your story? Why'd you do this? And so I think it, it, you know, people often start with the marathons and then they get into the ultra marathons. And, you know, when I often ask people, you know, why do you, why do you do that? Why do you run 50 or 100 miles? That's hard. The response I get probably more often than not is because I can. Others love being outside in nature. And in this case, it was in a very rugged and mountainous uh, terrain in China, very beautiful, green, lush area. And people just love being outside in nature and doing what they do. Many people switch to the ultra marathons because they find the road marathons boring on boring courses with no scenery, with no change in environments, etc. And so... You know, none of these people went into this race thinking they were going to die, and it's incredibly sad. These runners dying during the race is unheard of, really. I I can't remember ever hearing 21 people die. There was a race in France, I think it was 2008 or 2009, where something similar happened, where three runners died, where weather just came in at the last second, and there was really nothing that could be done, and so they, they perished also. So as you listen to this, let's remember those runners. Some of them were the most gifted in China and some of them maybe even in the world. During the race, one of the leading runners passed out and was laying on the side of the course to die. The accounts I read said that the wind kept knocking him over. His limbs felt hard and heavy and his body was slowly slipping out of control. With his last fall, he pulled out his thermal blanket, which, by the way, most of the time, because of the extreme gale force winds and torrential rains and cold weather, would just completely get ripped the second they pulled it out of their bag. But he said with his last, or what was was said of his account was, with his last fall, he pulled out his thermal blanket, pressed SOS on his GPS, and passed out. There was a local shepherd that heard, that lives in a cave, on the course somewhere, and he heard a bunch of people running. He ended up saving six people, which is just amazing. But apparently, he went out to try and save more people on the course, and he found this runner that passed out, laying there on the ground. He pulled that runner back into, like, dragged him, because the guy was unconscious, dragged him, and I didn't see how far it was, but I'm, I'm just assuming it was kind of far. He dragged the guy on the ground, got him into his cave, took all his clothes off, which was, you know, wet to the bone, wrapped him in some sort of blanket, got a fire lit in his cave and put him next to the cave. And, you know, over an hour later, that runner regained consciousness. That is just an unbelievable story. And those six people were incredibly lucky to have that shepherd there that saved their life. Thank you to that person. The name, in, the name of the race in China was called the R- Yellow River Stone Forest Marathon. Ultra Marathon. Sorry, it's called the Yellow River Stone Forest Mountain Ultra Marathon in Gansu, China. In order to participate in the race, one had to show proof of completing a 50K race or more over the last year and be between the ages of 18 and 60. I actually saw you paid something like, this is ballpark, $150 to run the race. And actually, if you finished, you got like a bonus like of $200 or $250. Something like that. This included many of the top ultramarathon runners in China. And this was the fourth year the race was run. And the previous three years were finished without any major weather conditions. The race started on Saturday, May 22nd at 9 a.m. And was a point-to-point race. 
I read that the temperatures got down to as low as 43 degrees straight up for the wind chill. That means that the wind chill had to be in the 20s and there were at least 32 to 46 mile an hour gale force winds with battering hail. The course was extremely technically challenging, very hard mountain course where the race enables you to download GPS on your watch. That's what all the uh, people were given uh, and track things. And they were also given a GPS alert button if a person got in trouble. Unfortunately, the extreme bad weather came at the hardest point of the race when participants are often walking up a super steep rocky hill with both their hands and feet. Race organizers said there was no predictions for extreme weather on the day of the race, although the local government weather forecast on the day before the race predicted severe weather in the form of sudden heavy showers, hail, lightning, and sudden gale force winds. Additionally, when I was doing the research, many of the athletes posted videos or uh, audio posts of how extremely windy it was on the morning right before the race and started to express concern. At around noon, 1200, severe weather started on the course, including the gale force winds, extreme rain, and extremely cold temperatures. Many of the race participants were in the section of the course at the time and started to experience hypothermia and severe cold and numbness. Some runners fainted from the cold. I heard of a story of people starting to uh, WeChat people to try and um, ask for help. Uh, and one said that their friend was foaming at the mouth. And I heard horrible, horrible stories that I can't stop thinking about where people, runners got together and huddled and were hugging each other to stay warm. And some of those people, while um, others were hugging them, died while they were as part of that circle and others survived. That is just horrible. Um, for those that had the insulation blankets and pulled them out, most of those were torn to pieces because of the extreme winds. Symptoms of hypothermia, so we all know it if we're ever in a position where we need to know it, are shivering, first, usually, followed by mental disorientation, fatigue, blurred vision, and stiff limbs. At this point of the race, some of the participants started posting online and calling people for help. Some started back down the mountain, and a small team was deployed to help the runners. Later that evening, 1,200 people were deployed to search for runners. The rescue effort was made more difficult by a mudslide that happened at some point after the rain. Many of the participants were wearing only t-shirts and a short, which is very common in ultramarathons like this. The race was called off at 1400, that's 2 p.m. The recommended gear list to include during the course that the runners were uh, to carry included an emergency medical kit, including painkillers, antihistamines, antidiarrheal drugs, gauze, as well as electrolytes, sunblock, energy chews or gels, a hat for the sun, sunglasses, hiking poles, a windbreaker, and a warm underlayer. The race did not require cold weather gear, such as a down or waterproof jacket or long trousers. China races take gear checks ex extremely seriously and remove people that do not have the required items in their pack. So we speak to Emilio here, and we have a good discussion and reactions from the race. Again, I feel horrible about it, but... The message, in my opinion, is that we should all learn from these situations so that um, if we ever decide to do a race like this or something like this, we put ourselves in the best position to not have it happen. And for some of us, it might be, you know what, it's a learning lesson. I'm not doing a race like that ever again. And for others, it will be something else. And it's an individual choice for each person. Amelia, let's talk about the biggest topic that you and I were emailing about, the the tragedy that happened in china um yeah. when i read that you know um this is a hundred kilometer race which is 62 miles it's this was the fourth year they ran it i did a little bit of research i'm sure you know more than i do emilio but the fourth year they ran it i started getting these alerts saying that the weather had become really brutal and resulted in hail and winds where people couldn't even stand up i read somewhere that the temperature was 43 but the wind chill must have been in the 20s right. and, uh, and, oh, and wet and wet. I mean, right. That's the and wet. You're wet. Right. And once, right. And as we all know, once you're running and, and if you even even if I stopped for a minute at a water station, let's say in a marathon, not even an ultra marathon, even I was out the other day and I was running like six miles and I stopped for a minute and uh, and then I had to like take a call. And when I started back up, I was freezing. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, so to like have that happen, you're right. Uh, and I want to hear your perspective on it, but so 21 people died. I mean, and two of them were so two of the top people in, in 
China, I think. Yeah, incredible athletes. Yeah, the, the, the thing, I mean, I have all kinds of thoughts and ideas, but the one thing that stands out to me is that, and maybe you found something that I didn't, but in trying to research it, there's just so little information. I mean, for 21 people to have died, and it isn't clear, at least in what I've seen, how they died. Right. I mean, I thought, okay, did everyone get hypothermia? Some people were speculating about uh, a mudslide. Yeah, I, I read that there was a mudslide. Right. But how did those people die? And the, the, the fact that we don't, you don't, there's no answer to that makes it really hard to speculate about what went wrong because how, you know, how do you figure that out without knowing really what happened? I mean, it's just very strange. You know, imagine somebody saying, yeah, 21 people died and then the, you don't know how they died. Well, yeah, what I read, so I saw a bunch of video and I saw the video that you probably did. Again, this is the fourth year, fourth year they were in the race. I saw a video of them taking off like a typical ultra marathon and they were on road. It was interesting. It reminded me of Western States when they're on flat kind of ground before they run up the first big hill, uh, right. Western, Western States 100 mile race. Uh, and um, I did see a bunch of video where there was a combination of road and trail and mountains right. on this right. race, you know, I, I saw an account today of one of the people there were, so there were about 172 participants, 21 apparently perished right. and eight, eight were hurt or one, one was critically hurt. And I saw an account, I saw an interview with a guy in a hospital bed. That was one of the eight. Did you see this? No, no, I haven't seen that. And he said that uh, it got so cold so fast that he could not feel his hands yeah. He could not feel his feet and he could not feel his face. Yeah. So he was biting his tongue and had all kinds of problems. And he said he got to the point he had the wherewithal to know at least he was in trouble. Even though he couldn't feel it, he was taking his hand and he was hitting himself in the head to stay awake so he didn't pass out. Jeez. That's fascinating. Yeah. But that's the only account I really heard of how much, how in trouble these guys were. Right. Because well, they were all right. in t shirts and shorts. Like, no, the, I know. There right. were forecasts. I read a couple things. I kept hearing people say the forecasts were not for bad weather, but I did see somewhere that there was a forecast like from over, I think it was on a Thursday or Friday, the race. And like over the weekend, there was a forecast. The weather was not going to be that good and there could be some storms. Right. Right. I mean, I think, you know, there are in those conditions, there's so many things that can go wrong. Right. So if you start there, right, there's the hypothermia one, which is real and it doesn't have to be that cold for it to happen. Right. You get wet, there are high winds, and we've been there. I mean, I've been, You've been there. there. You you had one situation where you thought you might die, right, from hypothermia during a race, I didn't right? Think I was gonna, no, I didn't think I was going to die because I had an emergency blanket and I had access to a what, you know, what amounted to a kind of a rock shelter. So, no, I, I did not think I was going to die. I was, I was trying to determine whether or not I would crawl inside my emergency blanket basically below this kind of shelf of rocks, which would have been very protected. And I felt confident and I had food on me. So I felt confident that I, I would have been fine had I done that. Was it raining at that point? And was it windy and was it hailing? Oh, what what oh, were the yeah. conditions? Oh, yeah. It was and you tough. were in a mountain in Scotland or England? I can't remember. In where Wales. were Ireland? Mountain Wales. Wales. Right. And it was, uh, no, it was raining uh, horizontally, wind, uh, low visibility, and... But that's not the only time. I mean, I, I've run, to your point, Jim, um, I've run what people would consider a much easier 100-mile race where it just dipped into the uh, high 30s and it was raining for 10 hours right, without stopping and you were soaked to the bone and you couldn't stop at an aid station without, um, you know, and people were just stopping and, and discontinuing uh, for hypothermia because they couldn't, you know, so it doesn't take, right, it doesn't take the kind of conditions they had in China to get hypothermia. But but put that aside. So that's one thing that can happen. Right? Was that Barclays or which, which race was that? No, that was a really what's considered to be a very uh, modest or easier, even beginner 100 miler called Rio de Lago, which runs and has overlap with Western states. Very manageable course, um, but it rains for the most the majority of right. the race. And, and it dipped into, uh, you know, it got pretty cold. And that brought in all kinds of challenges that I didn't have with much, you know, uh, more technical courses, let's say. So um, there's that. But I think- Was also, anybody hurt or 
nobody died in any of those races, right? Oh, no, 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 no. Nobody died, um, but people stopped because of hypothermia. Right. Right. And I think right. that that happens. You know, I, I think that happens quite a bit in these races that people start shivering uncontrollably and have to stop. And, um, but but it doesn't have to go there to seriously impair you. So. You know, I remember um, starting off a race where it just started same same kind of conditions, and before I could even reach into my pack to get any put my gloves on, my hands were completely numb and almost useless because at that point I couldn't. And that's after just being out. And I mean, so I understand what that guy was saying. It doesn't take a lot if you if you don't already have your equipment on. And same thing, I ha I've I've been you know I've I've had special uh, you know seamless uh, rain pants, but I haven't gotten them on in time because these things come up so quickly right. and then you're wet underneath. Right. But if you can't use your hands or like he said, he can't use his face or feel his feet, it seriously impairs you. Right. And all of a sudden you can't look at your, can't hold your compass or you can't reach into your pack to draw out some clothing that you need. You can't suddenly, you can't, you're not coordinated in the way you need to be. So that, that can have serious consequences. And the other thing is uh, that I think is is really a problem is visibility. If you're in a mountain race and you're going down the side of a mountain and self-navigating, you're not on a trail, and suddenly it's fog and you have zero visibility, you have a you can't move. I mean, if you make yeah. one fall, you know, you go the wrong way and suddenly get stuck somewhere, and that happens. That's another thing that happens. I think in in these mountain races where you're navigating is it's very easy in a mountain race to suddenly have no visibility. And even if even when you have the visibility, sometimes I, I ran five miles too much when I was in the Western States course, cause I got off the course, mm, you know, mm. during one of those training runs. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you're, you could still be good with a compass um, and know where you try, want to try to head and looking at your map, but it doesn't mean there's a straight route to get there. And again, going, you know, you can get stuck. And uh, if you're, in places where you're, you know, don't call it rock climbing, but scrambling, right? Um, you you can get yourself in a really bad position, especially if rocks or surfaces are getting really slippery because of rain. So there are all kinds of ways you can get messed up. In I did, I did, yeah. Sorry, I did yeah. read that some of the runners did. I think it lost or sure. they lost their way. I also did read of the 172 people. Some people were up, and they started to get pretty stressed and pretty cold and they made the decision like i gotta go back down yeah kind of kind of like you to talk about what you did when you were in that race when you decided not to get in your pack and not sure. to get in a little rock cave that you just described but you know you had a bunch of people that started running down because they knew they were in trouble sure yeah so i was i was doing this multi-day race in in wales and all of a sudden the weather turned i was feeling great things were going well what day was it it was five days right yeah, it was the fifth day. And all of a sudden, um, you know, a storm came up, got really, you know, soaking wet. Um, even through, you know, by the time I got all my clothes on, I had already been wet under them. I was wet over them. Lots of rain coming in super hard. And I had to get up and over this peak. So I went up to the top of the peak and zero visibility. I couldn't see anything. Um, but Were you scared that, at that point? Yeah, I was I was worried because I was starting to to shiver, right, and tr not being able to control it, and so I had to try to keep moving. But I also found a little, uh, you know, a little kind of pile of rocks, basically, and I realized that if I went under it and crouched down, the wind didn't get to me, uh, and I felt okay except <laughs> I was still shivering. But at least I felt like I had a protected spot that wasn't just getting pummeled, and so. I looked at, I took out my map because it was a self-navigating race. I took out my map, took out my compass, and I tried to figure out where I needed to go. So then I knew where I needed to go. Visibility was very poor, so I was concerned about that. And then I knew that I needed to make a decision between taking out my emergency bag and crawling in, and you know I was going to do that and eat some food, or um, trying to just run and get off the mountain where weather would would you know improve. And so and it I, improves in situations like that as you get lower, correct? Usually, oftentimes, yeah. It depends where you are, of course, but yes, it can. So on mountains, and you knew that. 
Yeah, I mean, I thought that it was worth a try. I wanted to make sure I kept my bearings so I could get back to where I was since I identified a shelter. And I was concerned about, you know, kind of running off the mountain, right? I mean, like, you know, not, you know, going off and getting stuck somewhere. So I was aware of that. And I knew that if I ran hard, um, it would warm me up. And so no trail or nothing. You're basically just mountain climbing. There wasn't a trail. There wasn't a trail. Um, but it wasn't, I wasn't mountain climbing down. There was, it was runnable where I was. Right. And you're a really good downhill runner, if I recall. So me, I'd be struggling down, you know, with my ankles. You are good at that. I'm, I'm usually good at that though. Again, these were really weird uh, conditions, but in any event it worked. I mean, I, I, I ran, I, it, it warmed me up a little bit and I was able to get down a couple thousand feet really quickly. How high up were you? Would you say these yeah. people were at about. I think somewhere between 32, 50 and 4,000 feet, kind of what I yeah. read. I wasn't that high, right? Because there just wasn't. So I don't know if it was half of that, but I know that I was able to get down enough quickly um, that the it stopped. I was still kind of shivering and I actually ran into some kids who were just out. Drinking drunk, beer? Drinking beer um, and smoking a joint and... Uh, I, I drank, uh, the guy offered me some beer and I drank it. I yeah. probably what probably wasn't permitted within the, the race, but it, but, um, at that I, point, I all bets are off, dude. When you're thinking about climbing under a rock and getting into a pack, right. when you've already put right. some other clothes on where you're already soaked, right. You know, then it's different. Now those clothes that you have. Okay. So let, were you yeah, just so wearing we're, shorts and a t-shirt before you started to put some more clothes on? I did. And then I put on some weather, weather, weatherproof clothing. But the problem was, again, I'd gotten wet enough that I, I wasn't going to be able to keep going. So when I got down, I had to wait until the, I kind of just ran around waiting um, for, I, I, you know, I found a place where I felt kind of the weather was, gonna, was getting better. And when the sun came out, I, I found a fence, like a farm fence. And I literally just took all my clothes off, except for my underwear, and put them up. Right. Um, and tried to get as much sun as possible. And it took me about a half an hour for my clothes to dry a little bit and for to stop shivering. Um, but the sun had come out at that point? But the sun had come out a little bit. And then over time it came out more. But I, I it really like, it was really crazy. And, and also, by the way, not only had I, was I sitting there a half an hour, but I went way out of my way because I took the easiest route off the mountain. I didn't take the route that was, <laughs> continuing my path on the race yeah who cares so, about that you know? I know. exactly exactly so that kind of screwed me later. i mean that could cost you your life actually like and that may have cost some of the people of their life here either staying on or just saying oh it's gonna pass and i'll be fine i we don't know but we don't know and it's interesting i mean that the other big question i have right about this is you know i the reason i had all those things on me is because there's a mandatory kit as part of the race and um, you know, I just remember also Barclays. I know there are people, there's a, there's a guy who's done run Barclays a few times who I know crawled in his bag once under a rock and spent the night under there. He did. Who was oh, yeah. somebody, somebody, an elite or is his friend or who was that? You um, don't have to name the name if you don't want. Def, I, I don't know. If, I mean, I think he's made it public, but he's definitely, he's an elite runner. Um, and uh, yeah, he spent the night under a rock at, at Barclays in his bag. But I think everybody doing Barclays, um, you know, you have to know that you, you're you going to hit that weather. And I did. I mean, we, we had nonstop rain, um, you know, uh, the year that, that uh, I was attempting that. And I think, again, a lot of these races, and maybe that was a problem, Jim. We, I think we talked about this. I think one of the problems with this race is it was 100K. 100K. And, if it had been a longer race or a stage race or a mountain race notorious for bad weather, any of those things, um, usually there's either a mandatory kit or the people doing it know that you've got to have, you know, food for at least, you know, a day or two, enough water, um, you know, a life straw to get to, you know, uh, to, so you can drink out of a stream if you need to. Um, and, you know, at least a bag. I mean, I, you know, I don't know that a 
you know, the kind of bag I had in Wales would have been enough for the weather that they were dealing with. That, that might have ripped that wind might just rip those bags to pieces, right? I read so, that it, I read that some people were trying to uh, maybe there were some people that had packs or mm-hmm. little little bags, and I, I read that they were ripped to shreds because yeah. of the wind. Yeah. So so you know, I I think it's it's really good idea for uh, this dating the obvious, but uh, going into any adventure. To make sure you have the at least the minimum, you know, emergency kit, but but uh, you know, figure out what is the worst thing that can happen, and be prepared. And if you're carrying extra weight, you're carrying extra weight. I mean, I saw some pretty decent sized packs of people who are doing Barclays, which is already a challenge without a decent sized pack. But people, you know, were erring on the side of <laughs> a lot of people erring on the side of caution, which uh, obviously you know, you need to do with these things and not just races, right? I mean, if you're getting this, that applies to going out on the AT or going out on, you know, some major uh, adventures or hikes. Yeah, I read that um, there was some sort of chat room. Did you, did you read this? Or I forget what it was, a WeChat or something like that thing going on and people were all posting to that. Did you go read any of that? I didn't. I didn't, but I read that it existed. Yeah. And there were things being put up like, hey, come help us fast. This person's foaming at the mouth right. sort of thing. Well, that's what, again, I, you know, it's, it is frustrating that it seems like now I know there's um, an investigation happening, but it's frustrating to me that they're just not more details forthcoming. Again, 21 people dying on a, in, in a race like that is, is, I mean, is that, that I, I, I'm guessing that's unprecedented. And we know that there are a lot of really crazy mountain races. I mean, I think about Barclays. Um, I mean, Barclays for Barclays sure is or, one. Or yeah. right, or there's a race. Which you've that done I, twice, right now. What? Which you've done that one twice. No, now, I've, right? I only I only attempted it once. But, okay. But but the one that the one that always terrified me, and I I like um, the sound of a lot of these races, but it always terrified me. It's called the Spine Race. Are you familiar with that in the yeah. UK? Yeah. It just sounds like, you know. Uh, you know, I, I wonder, you, you could probably, we could probably Google and find out what the mandatory kit, and I'm sure there is one for that is. And where's uh, the spine race again? Remind me, I forget. It's in England. Um, I don't know exactly, but it's notorious for just having, I mean, it's a guarantee that you're going to get awful uh, weather, the kind of weather we're talking about and, you know, mud and just, you know, it's miserable conditions. Um, but I'm sure that there's a, you know, mandatory kit that you've got to, have and it'd be good to know what's in that and maybe you know maybe that's what everybody should be well, carrying with them when they go on a mountain race i think there's going to be some regulatory regulations changes there's a lot of backlash against mm-hmm. the organizers it mm-hmm. sounds like you know you made the comment plan for the worst it sounds like this was planned for the worst times to the to the millionth power sort of thing right but you, I mean, you got to know when you're running on races uh, or mountains and things like that, that these things could happen. And that area definitely has a history of doing it, changing right. quickly. It's just right. it's just so incredibly sad. And, you know, when I saw the uh, they 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 had sent out like twelve hundred people to search the mountains. I read. Yeah. And then yeah, and apparently re- were able to rescue a decent amount, but obviously not close to what you consider to be enough people. I mean, that's that's a horrific death toll. Did you see that there was a goat herder? Did you hear the story about oh, a goat shepherd, herder? The shepherd saved somebody. Shepherd, right? yeah, yeah. He, he had a, he was in a little cave hiding, yeah. and he heard some people yelling, "Help, help!" And he got yeah. six people into his cave or whatever. So, yeah. yeah, no, I did, I did read about that. Yeah. What, I mean, what else did you read about that we haven't discussed? No, I think we've discussed everything. Again, my my main thing is it's very hard. You know, we all have our ideas of what should have happened or shouldn't have happened, but it's very hard to really make that call without knowing how those people died. Hundred percent, and right? and we're, we can't be second guessing their decisions or, or what they did. Right, um, we don't know. I mean, again, it's just not that much information. For but them. we do know the mentality, right? And if I'm in that race, and you're an accomplished ultra runner, I've done some. I've run on some tough courses, but I haven't done the same level of courses that you've done with bad weather. But my mindset. You know, when I went out and did, you know, the Western States 32 mile training run, I was wearing yeah. shorts and a T-shirt with two water bottles in my hand. I had no right. packs with me. I had right. nothing. Right. 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 And, 
you know, my biggest takeaway from this is like when you are messing with these races, there are and that knowing what you have gone through, there are many things that can go wrong. Yes. And it is dangerous. And I remember when we went out to lunch after you ran that race and you told me about how you'd run down the side of the mountain. You ran to those guys that had some beers in the joint. And, and, and I remember we talked about it and it was like, did you ever think you were going to die or did you ever think about that? Right. And it is possible in these races. Yeah. And, and Jim, the other thing is not even, it doesn't have to be this, you know, that, that race. I mean, I remember, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people get into real trouble, uh, in the Grand Canyon. Right. Um, uh, you've done, t- talk about which ones you've done there. What did you do? Well, no, I just, I just did something called the rim to rim to rim. rim. To rim. Right. That's a great example where people get into real trouble for the same reasons. I mean, it's, it's a different, uh, I mean, actually storms, cold storms come in too, but that, that's a place where temperatures, you know, you can start at the top of um the south rim and it can be snowing and then you can get to the bottom it could be 100 degrees i mean it's a really weird situation how many miles is that race and i remember you did it talk about what the what the race is it was your own kind of ftk fastest known time type of thing you just manage yourself basically and do it that's right that's right it's not a race it's just the idea is that you go from the south rim um down um to the bottom of the Grand Canyon, run on a trail, basically on, on a trail. No, no, on a trail. Like sure. with like little pebbles and rocks, like the bridle yeah. path in Central Park, basically, like a path. Yeah, but it's 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 very narrow. I mean, it's a narrow path. Some some places there's some, some right on the off. edge, right on the edge where you could fall um, down. There's there's one. Yeah, there's a section as you're going up to the North Rim that is pretty exposed. Um, I mean, it's a full drop off on the on the on the right side but it's um it but but i didn't you know you're not in danger of falling off it i guess in in bad weather you could you know that would be different but um i uh you you run across and then it's a six thousand foot climb up to the north rim and then from go, from sea level to six thousand feet no no it's a no no it's probably Gosh, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but it could. No, you're not at sea level at the bottom, so it's higher than that. Okay, so you're going probably a thousand to seven thousand. I remember when I the Western States one. I think you're at like eight thousand feet at some points. You know, you're pretty right. high up. Right. So I think it's more like you. You know, at the bottom is two thousand feet, and maybe it's eight thousand feet at the north top of the North Rim. Then you turn around and go back, and there are a couple trails. I took one trail down and one trail back up, and on my. GPS, I think the total thing round trip was 47 miles. How long did that um, take you? Because you needed to make sure you were done by the end of the day, if I recall, correct? That, that's correct. Because you didn't want to do that at night with a headlamp, right? That's right. But I started a lot earlier than – so I I wanted to make sure that I was back in time. I remember so I, you started really early, and it was cool, I, right? I started very early. It was cool, but it was nice. And then, um, you know, it was hot the whole way. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that, uh, at the end it, it, had started, it was very cold and it started to, to snow a little bit and it was very, I started getting a chill at the very end, but I, I didn't want to get too far off on that because what I actually was going to say, Jim, is that I remember once going, um, you know, I just wanted to do a, a practice run and it snowed and I was in Manhattan and I wanted to do a practice run and do like, I don't remember if it was 30 miles or whatever. And I actually had these really cool Solomon boots that you can run in to run in snow. But that's a good example where I decided to run up over the bridge up to New Jersey on the what the start of the long path there. So, right, you're just, you're within, you know, civilization and it's not, you could always come out on the highway and flag somebody down, I guess, if you really got into trouble. But I remember packing a safety pack with all kinds of stuff. You know, I carried a decent pack on that run for that reason. And you know what happened is I had planned to stop. There's a cafe right at the border between New York and New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And I would planned to stop there and refuel. And um, I got there and it was closed and there was no rhyme or reason. I'd looked in advance and it said it was going to be open. But the place that I thought I was going to get a sandwich and some extra water was closed. Right. So, you know, here, you you know, again, doing like a pretty big track running in the snow and but, you know, I'm close to I'm in New Jersey. I'm in, you know, New York. 
but suddenly, you know, your, your plan on <laughs> nutrition is completely shot and your plan on water is completely shot. So I ended up doing that with a much less water than I'd planned on. And I guess my point again is, um, I didn't use the life straw that I had, but I would have if I needed to. I thought about it, mm-hmm. and the same things happened to me on the on the AT as well. You know, just like suddenly being like, okay, the, well, App- the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, all yep. my water's gone. <laughs> you know, and and have knowing that you've got a straw that you can drink out of some ditch <laughs> if you need to is is important. I mean. Um, and then you can make that judgment call if you still want to do it, but at least, you know, that's a possibility. So, my, so, my point, so let me ask you, go ahead, finish your point. And then I have a question. I'm sorry. I'm, sorry I'm, I'm talking too much, but my point being that, um, it doesn't have to be some really crazy mountain race, right? Where conditions can go south. Um, your plan of getting some food or water doesn't work out. The water tap that you thought was going to be there in the Grand Canyon isn't. Uh, you know, isn't on. I mean, that happens. That's happened to a lot of people. A lot of people, a lot of people getting IVs at the bottom of the ranger station, um, you know, at the campground at the bottom of, of the Grand Canyon. I mean, it just, it happens all the time. There's signs posted everywhere uh, in the Grand Canyon saying, don't try to hike down to the bottom and hike back up the same day. Just don't do that. And that's what you did. Um, Except you ran it, probably. Well, no, I mean, that that's referring to don't even just hike down straight down and right. then straight back up. Right. Uh, not going down it, running across and uh, doing the 40, you know, 40 mile plus thing. So back to the Chinese race, did you hear any reaction from any ultra kind of elites or professionals sure. or any sure. organizations? If so, what'd you hear? Sure. It was all over the place. I mean, I think, you know, listening to, uh, you know, a lot of people you know, just really kind of saddened and dismayed. A lot of people angry and kind of wanting to point fingers. I mean, nothing that we haven't discussed, right? But there definitely have been a lot of activity on the various ultra forums and people talking about it because, uh, again, that's a really extreme and I'm guessing unprecedented uh, tragedy as far as numbers of people. Or, I mean, it's it's fairly rare for somebody to die at all at an ultra event. Right. Let alone, uh, you know, multiple people, let alone 21 people. You hear it more at uh, triathlons, actually. Right. Where you hear about mm-hmm. somebody having uh, somebody having like a heart issue or a murmur right. and they and they die. You hear it during the swim more than anything else. Yes. I actually exactly. have a woman that I coached and for a while and then she moved to Florida. She's been on this call before and her coach died during a triathlon last year. Um, and they weren't sure. I think they finally figured out it was some sort of heart issue, but it's, it's, it's scary stuff. Any, any other comments on what happened there? What's it going to make you do differently? Because you are the one I'm looking at you. Like, it's like me, like I've done some of these things. I've never had the guts to really take it to the next level like where I'm going to put myself at real risk for that kind of event. I mean, yes, I've done, I did comrades, which is 56 miles. I did, uh, uh, the Rocky raccoon 50 in outside of Houston. I've done all these Ironmans. I've done some other, other ultras, but you know, a 30, a 60 K in central park or on the Rocky raccoon trail. I mean, the biggest risk in the Rocky raccoon trail was like high dew point and spiders or something, I don't know, or snakes. You know, Probably, right. it's, it's exactly. not like death from that kind of weather. Like, right. so my takeaway from all this is like, you really have to be prepared and, you know, you really got to think about like, do you really want to do these things? What's yours? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I, I've, I've been doing kind of the, the emergency pack, you know, thing for a while now, but I think I'm going to take a good look at that and try to uh, bolster it in any way. Uh, you know, I can. And again, I think I'm going to do it by looking at some of these uh, races that are super hardcore. I mean, again, if doing anything in the mountains, I probably look at see what the spine race mandates that you have or, you know, take a look and just, yeah, err on the side of and, and for where I am right now, especially this summer, err on the side of too much, you know, taking too much water and always making sure again, always making sure I probably have two life straws 
in case one of them doesn't work because um, I, I feel like that's a really super lightweight thing that isn't going to cost you anything to carry that can let you sip out of pretty much anything. And totally. uh, right. So I, I think, yeah, given an extra look at, Hey, maybe I'll pop something extra in my bag for sure. And, and being really on top of the, uh, the weather, knowing that weird weather can come up suddenly, but also imagining the worst thing happening. People get in trouble with floods, right? Is another thing. Flash well, they, yeah, and, and I would like to continue to track what happened here to see if there were mudslides because you did right. hear a lot. There were some mudslides there for sure. Right. I don't know if people got caught up in those or not. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, Jeff, Shruti, any comments or questions about this? This is one of the reasons why I would not do those races. <laughs> um, no, you know, I said that to you. I said that to you that email right when i like within 30 seconds of getting the news yeah. um and it reminded me of a million of stories that he's shared you know about the races and i and i couldn't believe it like i just for anybody to lose their life but for multiple people to lose their lives um but i'll just say this weather changes you can't i don't think you can predict it anymore i mean i think to a certain point but i was just outside and i was going to go for a run and it said it was going to rain at 7 45 and the next thing you know, the sky gets dark and the wind starts going and the rain starts coming. And I'm like, holy cow. So, you know, that changed within 45 minutes. So uh, right. not in a day like what happened in China. Right. So I just think that that I mean, I, I just like weather. Look, the, the weather, you hope it's predictable, but it's one of those things that's unpredictable. I can't tell you what the current, you know, the weather situation was in China, but. Um, I would have, I would have, you know, you would have gone on the more conservative in the side of caution if you were the organizers and everything going on. But, you know, maybe they've lived in China. They've heard these, you know, weather reports before. And, you know, 99% of the time, it's not as bad as they think it's going to be. And, and, you know, but no one, no one should use their life. You lose their life running a race like that. No one. So that's it. Agreed. That's all I got. Shruti? Any comments? No, I mean, I've. it's the first time I heard of such extreme weather. I mean, a few years ago, Vishal was in Beijing. And you remember when the snowstorm happened, he was there. And for over a week, he like everything just looked orange because there was so much dust everywhere. And I, you know, the, but. I can't imagine how people would decide to run in in uh, in weather like that, and um, so it's it's kind of scary. But I I I mean I completely agree with uh, Emilio's uh, you know assessment of things. Emilio, one of the things that you said to me when you first heard about it was, and you said it on this call, but you said something like, "Hey." I wonder if it was because a hundred K race, which is 62 miles. And a lot of these elites are probably going to finish before the sun goes down. So they're not carrying headlamps or not carrying right. sleeping gear. If that contributed. Right. Sure. I, I think, yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, I think had this been a longer race, uh, certainly people would have been uh, more prepared. I think a lot of people, you know, figure, okay, well, I'm not going to even have to spend the night anywhere. Um, but it is interesting. A lot of the European mountain races, you know, have, again, this concept of a mandatory kit, right? Where you have to, you, you could be stopped at any time by somebody who works for the race. And if you don't have every item in it, you're out. Like no questions asked. That's a, that's a pretty, I think a pretty normal thing. Did you go and investigate like, a, you know, you, you could write an article, but with your knowledge, but did you investigate what the race required there for that by chance i didn't I, did, I, did, I didn't i didn't again you know the the things that you usually see are waterproof clothing that doesn't have any kind of you know seams um you've got to have a whistle um you've got to have a special kind of you know gloves you've got to have uh a couple compasses you've got to have you know they're just there are all these things that you really are, are required to have 
And then usually there's a suggested list, you know, on, on top of what you're required to have. Um, I, I know that, you know, that race in Wales, you also were equipped with literally an emergency button, right? In the absolute worst case, you hit something, it goes to the, you know, the Welsh government in a helicopter. I remember that, right? And they're right, and they, and you saw some people get rescued in that race, didn't you, by a helicopter? No, 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 no. I thought you, I thought there was one. Okay, I misremembered. No, 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 but. Not a, no, but that is, I mean, again, some races, I'll go that far. I mean, one, one more thing just to, to say about kind of rescue is that, you know, a lot of these races are equipped to deal with, you know, a person here and a person there having problems. I don't think any race has the person power, The you know, a lot of these are all volunteer based to go rescue 20 people simultaneously or 50 people. I mean, you know, I think the assumptions that there are going to be, you know, we're going to have to deploy someone and they're going to have to go help somebody or this might happen, but not they're They're not going to be equipped to help that many people. Right. Right. At that, uh, you know, uh, so that's why, again, a lot of, you know, if, if you decentralize it, I mean, the Barclays thing is, is very simple. It's that there's nobody coming to help you. You have to be completely self, um, you know, uh, self-supplied and self-reliant. And you have to be able to know that it could take you a long time to extract yourself. Right. right. That's kind of what you sign up for. There isn't a rescue, you know, just don't, there's nobody, you know, no one's coming for you. So be better be prepared if you get lost to spend a couple of day in the, days in the woods. Um, eventually, some people will come for you. Nobody's died during Barclays, right? Uh, no. Right. Did you did you hear what what's his name again? Yes. Um, Last. Okay. But that's also unusual Last. in that it's the one race that I can think of that's completely, you know, you're picked completely at the discretion of the of the race director right i mean other other well, he's picking people like you that he knows that have been so experienced in these races that you can deal with things right i think he picks people that he feels confident that they are going to prepare properly right right they're going to be thorough and make sure that they've got you know it you know feeling good enough about them being prepared but there is something about saying we don't have a rescue team at all um that uh again it's another way you know going back to the mandatory care where it's it okay you gotta have a sleeping bag you have to have multiple headlamps with batteries you have to have this stuff or you could be spot checked and be thrown out the race right all right any other comments on that well i have a comment regarding so, Amelia, when you go and it's not an ultra run like you ran to New Jersey, like, so for me, right, if I'm running 26.2 in the beginning days of the marathon, I would pack all my gels, I had all my nutrition, right? You know, sometimes I'd carry a bottle. So I had my hydration, whatever, my banana, you know, even a banana thing. And over the years, I'm running it 20 years, everybody keeps saying I'm over packing i'm over carrying stuff there's stuff across the thing and i and i think about like well what if that if what if my wife's not there what if you know i can't get to that station in time or the the station's just not where i want it to be and so i I don't i I wonder how you when you think of all your runs that you do do you think you're over prepared for 80 of them and the other 20 it's like you know i i accept the risk because i i have a good comfort zone on it what's your what's your yeah yeah for sure for sure. I mean, what you're describing, I think, is just being over. You're, you're going to end up being overprepared for all, maybe every race, right? Or every run. But, you know, all it takes is, is one time, right? So I think, yeah, I think you're doing the right thing. I mean, look, it's easier for me. I'm not a competitive athlete, right? I'm not out there and going to win a race. or So, uh, you know, for me to sacrifice putting another pound or two in my back, I just have to balance that as how badly is my, my back going to hurt, which by the way, does happen. You know, when I have a heavy pack on the hundred mile plus races, I always end up like being sore in my back as much as anywhere else. Let me ask Um, you a question. So when you've prepared for some of these races, be honest here, have you chinced with what you put in your backpack thinking, Hey, I might get a little faster or have you always defaulted to, I'm going to have what I need. Obviously the, the race that you did in Wales, they yeah, can, yeah. And you, I'm sure you had everything because you had to. But some of these other races, 
probably didn't need everything. It really depends on the race, Jim. I mean, there, you know, some of these races, I think I mentioned Rio de Lago before, which is like, I mean, there's, there's an aid station every, I don't know if it's every 10 miles or whatever it is, but, and it's a clear, it's either road or trail. I mean, I, I you know what I mean? I think for those, it's yeah, very, that's, that, that's like States, right? Same right? thing. There are certain races like that or Vermont 100 where, you know, you just don't need to because you'd have to really, I mean, everything in the, there's just such a small risk involved. Right. Right. Um, so Did you hear how far thing. the aid stations were spaced out at this race, at the 100K? No, that's I what did. I'm saying. I don't know anything about it. I don't either. It. It's, it's, there's no, I, I found it really hard to find any of those details. So, yeah. So it really depends. I mean, it, you know, they're two very different things. And again, it's not just races. It's any kind of adventure you're going on. On the, on the adventure side, I tend to overpack. Um, and, you know, whether you need it or not, you know, I look, a lot of times I've overpacked and then ended up with less than I thought of, you know, and running out of stuff. I think I'm overpacking. Right. right? So I don't know, you know, so. I would just say if you're not trying to win or you're not a competitive athlete, yeah, it's better to overpack and 95% of the time you've carried more than you needed, but so what? Is this going to change anything differently for you in the upcoming races? What happened? Um, you know, look, I don't have any plans to do anything really crazy. I mean, there's a, there's a race I really want to do called the Tour de Gion, um, which is a very long mountain race in Italy. So I think, yeah, if I end up doing that race or if I was doing Mont Blanc this year, which I didn't get into, I, yeah, I would, I would take it very seriously and, and really get a good look at what people are doing for these, you know, for these serious, uh, races. Is your wife aware of what happened? Oh yeah, absolutely. What did she say to you? Did she equate it to you potentially dying loser, that type of thing? Um, yeah, I mean, it came up. I don't think, you know. <laughs> the word loser? <laughs> not the word loser didn't come up. But it certainly came up. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, my, you know, it's funny, and I'm sure this happened to you too, Jim, like how many emails or texts that I And I knew it was going to happen, but, you know, the second you see that news, you know that you're going to start getting a lot of messages yeah. about it. So, um, yeah, for sure. My parents too, you know. Yeah. I think you did, you know, it's, and it's, look, it's a good discussion. It's a really good discussion. Yep. This concludes today's podcast. Thanks for joining. I just want to close by saying how horrible I feel for the people that died and their families. Nobody goes into these type of races thinking they're going to die. They just don't. That's not the mentality. And, you know, there was a required pack and people had the pack. And I think the takeaway for me is, you know, always, prepare the way I think I need to prepare, um, no matter what. And maybe, maybe in some of these instances, maybe don't do some of these races if I'm concerned about it. And look, I, I can't remember ever hearing of weather conditions hitting that quickly during an ultra marathon race where I usually hear about weather conditions, conditions hitting like that is like climbing Mount Everest or climbing, climbing one of the, one of the peaks. And you do hear it, uh, in those, uh, situations, there's this great book called Into Thin Air by John Krakauer that I think is a spectacular book. But this is ultramarathoning, not climbing Mount Everest. And you just don't expect that's going to happen. So, you know, let's all remember those people. I saw a picture of the guy who won last year who was considered to be China's uh, most elite ultramarathon runner, gifted. And I, I, he had a wife and a very small kid from what I saw. So I just feel horrible about it. And the purpose of this podcast was to kind of discuss it to remember them and to learn from it.